What we think about, we become. What we think about, we become. What we think about, we become. This simple sentence I heard at a teens camp quite a few years ago now. Uh, the speaker was Anthony Samuels and the camp was a camp called HM Rage Camp at Totara Springs in Matamata. A camp that I've been coming to for a long time and now have the privilege of bringing young people along from our youth community. Uh, and we just had it last weekend actually. It was amazing. So cool to be there. And I think this sentence really helps us finalize the whole theme behind the Chasing the Sun podcast. As we close out Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, we now begin to round out the idea of laying aside the weight, laying aside sin that clings so closely to us, uh, and looking, focusing in on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, I haven't got around to teaching my daughter how to ride a two-wheel bike yet, but I'm sure someday I'll get that privilege to do so. They talk about when you teach someone to ride a bike, that one of the first things often when you're riding a bike is you do is you, you know, you're going, ah, there's a big tree. I don't want to hit that tree. But by looking at the tree, you often end up finding yourself hitting that tree. And so the encouragement is to focus on where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. If we think about that, we think about what we think about we become. These two illustrations, we're starting to understand what it means to look to Jesus, who's the founder and perfecter of our faith. So we're going to read the passage again, and we're going to be getting into the idea of what we think about we become, and focusing on where we're wanting to go, not on where we don't want to go. So let me read again for you Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We've already looked at how we are to lay aside things which slow us down from running the race. We looked at sin. Different sin in our life, whether it's pride, uh, lying, stealing, pornography, lust, anger, all these things that are not conducive or not um, a part of a Christian life that the Bible talks about, that we are to lay aside those things. Now, the challenge can become, and, and I found this actually at the teens camp, the HM Rage camp that we just had last weekend is, we did a bit of a Q&A and we found that a lot of teens are asking questions on, is this a sin? Is this a sin? Is swearing a sin? Um, is masturbation a sin? Is this too far with my girlfriend or boyfriend? Um, all these kind of questions, which are great. It's so good that our young people are wrestling and, and thinking in terms of going, okay, is this something that God wants in my life or is it something that God doesn't want in my life? Now, often as young people, we're thinking in terms of going, well, what is the closest point to the edge that I can do with my girlfriend or my boyfriend, right? Is it just sex or, um, you know, can we cuddle in bed all night together? Um, can we do, you know, oral sex or something along those lines where it's, well, it's not technically sex, so is it okay? Now, often we have kind of bad motives with that because we want part of the pleasure without feeling like we're sinning. Now, I'm not going to get into that here because um, although it's helpful to understand what sin is and what it's not, 
one of the problems can be as believers is if we think of ourselves as riding this bike for the first time, we can be so focused on the tree that we end up hitting it. What we think about, we become. We start thinking about these sins that we end up doing them. I remember he used this illustration. Uh, Anthony, the speaker, was using this illustration of pornography, right? And his young men were often going, okay, not tonight. I don't want to look at pornography tonight. I don't want to do that tonight. I don't want to do it. I don't want to look at pornography. I don't want to look at pornography. Five minutes later, I'm looking at pornography. You know, or I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. And I end up lying. He says, it's what we think about we become. It's like if I said to you, don't think about an elephant. Well, what are you thinking about now? Well, you're probably thinking about an elephant. The same is true in the Christian faith. That what we think about, we become. That we want to, as the writer of Hebrews says, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus because he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is uh, the firstborn, as the Bible describes it, as the New Testament describes it. That there was Adam who was the firstborn among all of humanity. And Christ is a new firstborn amongst this kind of lineage of children of God, as it were. So how do we look to him and what does this actually mean for us as believers? And what are some really practical ways that we can look to Jesus rather than looking to the world around us or looking and focusing on the sin that's going on? Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we don't... um, identify sin in our life and try and put it to death. I'm not saying that we don't pray, repent of our sins, ask for forgiveness when we've done wrong. What I'm saying is that our priority and our focus should be on looking to Jesus. And they kind of go hand in hand. The As we lay aside sin, we focus more on Jesus. But I think also the more that we focus on Jesus, the more we lay aside sin. Paul talks about it this way in Philippians. He says, I count all else as loss compared to knowing Jesus Christ. He said he would rather know Christ than have anything else in this world. That as he looks to Jesus, everything else the world has to offer him just doesn't have its appeal anymore. And this is one of the problems for me as when I was a young person and even still now is that some of the sin, some of the things that maybe aren't sin but aren't good for me, they're really appealing. They have a desire. They have something that I'm going, oh, I wouldn't mind. wouldn't mind a piece of that. That's quite enticing. I mean, Adam and Eve, right? There was something about that apple, not an apple, something about that piece of fruit that was pleasing to the eye, that they desired it. David, when he saw Bathsheba bathing, he desired her. You know, there is something actually about the tantalizing nature of sin that it's something that we desire. When I was a young person, when I, in my younger days, and I still have to really wrestle with this now, is uh, I lied very naturally and very easily. And I found myself kind of lying for a couple of different reasons. The first was just to get my way. Uh, it kind of came from the like, oh, mom, I'm sick today. I just want to stay home. And it was just because, you know, you want to stay home and play Xbox, right? So I just kind of really wanted something. And so I lied about it. Um, that's kind of the first reason that I would lie. 
The, the second reason that I would lie was to uh, cover up something that I'd done wrong. So I'd made a mistake and I didn't want people to know that I'd made a mistake. So then I would lie about it or I would just embellish the truth a little bit. You know, I'd kind of cover up parts of it, but I wouldn't fully lie. I'd kind of just tell part truths and these kind of things in my life. Because I found that, well, if people found out, then I'd either get in trouble or people would think worse of me. And so lying was actually something that was kind of desirable because I felt like I could get my way. And so as Paul writes in Philippines and says that he would rather know Christ, as the writer of Hebrews is saying that we are to look to Jesus, as the illustration of the bicycle is telling us that we should focus on the path and not on the tree, and as that short little sentence reminds us that what we think about, we become, that one of the main parts to this life of Christianity, to pursuing the Son, to chasing the Son, is to focus on Him is to look to him, is for him to be the object of our life. He, his life is what we are to imitate with our life. To know him more is what should wake us up in the morning. It's what should keep us awake at night. But what we find ourselves actually doing is we put other things in those place. So maybe it's sport. Maybe sport is the only reason you get up early during the week. It was for me, well, school, obviously, when I was a teenager, but I only got up like 15 minutes before I needed to be at school, get in the car, drive to school kind of mentality. But then what I found was actually through uh, some of the winter seasons, I would have a hockey training on a Friday morning, like early as have to be over at Tauranga. So I'd have to travel 35, 40 minutes uh, to be in Tauranga at uh, Tauranga Boys College for like a 6 a.m., 6.30 training. And so I'd get up early to go and do that. And then I'd go to school after and then I would have my day at school. But I would never get up 15 minutes before school to read my Bible, to pray, to sit in silence with the Father. And what I found is that my desire to know God didn't grow and develop because I didn't put Christ as the object of my life. I put him as a a bit of an add-on if I have time during my week. And maybe that's where you're at as well. As you're listening to this, you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't set aside time for Christ. I don't desire to know him more. Many of us, when we think about reading the Bible, it just, it puts us to sleep. It bores us. It just doesn't give us that passion. Paul wrote to us saying that he counts everything else as garbage. Now, the Greek word, and I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, but I do remember what garbage actually means. And it's kind of waste or filth, right? Like, he's kind of saying, I count everything else as poop compared to knowing Jesus Christ. That he is so beautiful, amazing, powerful. He To know him is to change our lives. And he's, Paul, saying everything else, money, power, relationships, even his own, like, Safety, he counted as loss, as garbage. He counted them as nothing in comparison to knowing Christ. I want that for my life, but I can honestly say that probably practically speaking, it's not true. Practically speaking, I think there's lots of other things that I would rather do than than pursue and know Christ. And Like I want to, I 100% want to, but I tell you what, 
Friday and Saturday, it's easier just to sit around and watch some sport. We've got Super Rugby and NRL on at the moment. You know, I'd rather just whack that up on the TV and chill out on the couch and play a bit of game on my phone when the, you know, when the parts of the match get a bit boring or whatever, or during the day, just chuck the NBA on. You know, whatever that is, I'd, I'd rather know more about that. When that's not on, you know, sometimes I'm watching YouTube to tell me about the game that I've already watched. Maybe for you it's movies. Maybe you'd rather watch movies and then you'd rather watch people talk about the movies. There's lots of things in our life that can become the focus of our life other than Jesus Christ. And I'm not just saying that he needs to be the first thing in the morning. I'm saying he needs to be the priority. It's almost like rather than thinking of it as a... um, what comes first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, which we often do, and that might be more of a Western, you know, Pākehā white worldview of thinking of things in comparison to a Middle Eastern view or uh, or other cultures, which is to just think of things as like a hierarchy almost. God's at the top, and then, you know, family, friends, work, blah, 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 down, down the line of importance and, and priorities in our life. We, we need to think of it more as like a, a circle, as it were, like Christ is in the center of the circle and the other things are around it. Not just in a sense of priorities, but actually that Christ affects and touches on all of those other areas of my life. How this will then change the way that we view the world around us, how this will change the way that we live, is to not kind of see the world in two ways of a, the secular and the sacred. That somehow there's a difference between what I do at work or school or home compared to what I do at church or at youth group or something like that. That prayer is a part of my day. That serving God is something that I do with part of my time. But when I put Christ at the center of my life and the focus of my life and then I'm looking to him, all the other things come and find their proper place. I think one way that we can think about how we put Christ at the center of our life is we start by going, well, what is already at the center of our life and how do we spend time doing it? I've already touched on what I do often with some downtime around sport and just watching a bit of sport. Uh, And even, you know, I talked about when I was in school and when I wanted to get up early to go play sport, I would do that, but I wouldn't do that for Christ. And so what is it that's currently your priority in sport? You know, uh, a lot of the teenagers that I work alongside, I think, rightly so study long hours and do a good job of doing that but when that's coming as a higher priority than looking to jesus that's where it starts to become a bit of an issue and so we'll spend 20 hours a week studying but we wouldn't spend 20 minutes alone with god now again i'm not trying to put down study i'm not trying to put down work if that's what your priority is it's not about making those things seem unimportant it's just about putting them in the place of importance that if christ is the focus in our life if he is the path in which we are to follow and walk then we're less likely to fall and trip and stumble into sin because what we think about if that's jesus christ and we think about him through prayer through study of the word, through memorization of scripture, and then meditation on that scripture, through spending time with other Christians in community with them, through Bible study, church, youth group, listening to Christian music, 
and worship music, whatever that is for you, the more that we think about Christ, the more we become like him. Often as young people, we build our life around what we do. You know, when you're in school, everything is, what are you going to do when you leave school? Are you going to go to university? Are you going to go into a trade? Are you just going to get a job? And are you going to have a gap year? And what do you want to do with the rest of your life? What is the career that you have? Because we live in a world where we are defined by our career. We were defined by the job in which we have, the title that's sitting on our desk or our office door. That defines who we are. When you meet someone new for the first time, the question is, oh, so what do you do with your week? As if that is our identity and who we are. When we read the New Testament, we don't have God saying to believers that you should all do the same job, that you should all be doctors or you should all be nurses. I mean, half of them were slaves. Probably through the New Testament, we see a lot of the early believers are slaves. What he's more concerned of is who we are in the place in which God has placed us. So if you pump gas at a gas station or if you work on brains as a brain surgeon the question is who are you going to be when you're doing that job because both jobs are a part of the kingdom of god now i use those as an example not to put anyone down who pumps gas i use that as an example because that's how the world defines success right well a neurosurgeon earns lots of money so they're a That's a good job, and pumping gas doesn't earn as much money, so that's a bad job, and that's how we define it. And then if you fulfill those jobs and that's what your job is, then you're not as important because you don't get paid as much money. And so we're wrestling with this concept as a culture, as a society, and we're being impacted by Christians, that if you're in a job that doesn't pay high, then clearly you're not that important. So God, on the other hand, is saying to us, I want to work on your heart and change your desires and therefore out of that change your character and your habits and how you live in this world. We've been working through uh, the book of First Peter in our Bible study uh, with our year 12s and 13s and um, I love the verses in chapter 2 uh, verses 21 through to 25 because it kind of gives us a little bit of an insight into how we are to walk or journey on this Christian life if we're going to chase the sun. Now, to to take a step back before we get into the passage, many people will know the Footprints in the Sand poem. And the the basic idea of the poem is that uh, when a man dies and, and goes to heaven and he sees his life played out in the sand, God shows him that there are times where there were two footprints, where they were walking together side by side and then he sees a time where, you know, there was only one set of footprints in the sand and he was like, hey, God, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. Why am I walking by myself in these times, you know, in his lowest moments? And he said, oh, no, that wasn't you walking by yourself. That was where I carried you. And uh, now I love that poem and I think it's a, it's a great understanding of Christ carrying us through tough times. But I think Peter has a different view of maybe what the footprints in the sand poem should be where it shouldn't actually be two footprints really at all. He says to us in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. It's actually that as we look at the 
life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are footsteps in which we are to walk. And these are, the footsteps are not into a high-paying job, uh, into a job of high influence. They're, the footsteps are not into a bigger house or a nicer car or uh, what the world would call a good life. He actually says that the example is that, well, Christ committed no sin and neither was deceit found in his mouth. So the first step is a holy life. Now for us as humans, not divine like Jesus was, is, sorry, that Jesus is, we can't do that on our own. God, because of what Christ has done, has declared us as holy and placed his Holy Spirit in us to help us live this holy set apart life. It says in verse 23 that when he was reviled, when he was insulted, threatened, that he did not revile in return. He did not throw insults or threaten in return. You know, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He continued to trust himself to God. The footsteps that we are to follow is that when people throw insults at us and threaten us, we don't insult and threaten back, but we entrust ourselves to God who judges justly. It says that he himself, that is Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Here we see, again, another understanding of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, that we might lay off every sin and weight that clings and hinders so closely, and we might live to righteousness, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Later in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, it says that the righteous, that is Christ, died for the unrighteous. And we see these footsteps here. Now, they seem like pretty hard footsteps to follow, and, and I th- agree, and I think they are hard footsteps to follow in. Fortunately, we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us to walk us on this journey. But there's a final footstep, which doesn't come a little bit later until chapter 3, uh, right at the end, in verse 22, it says, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. So Christ has a specific role of his going into heaven, but we also follow that final footstep of going into heaven as well. Now, just to clarify, just to help you guys understand a little bit, there's some Greek words through chapter 2 verses uh, 22 to 25, and then which help us point to the footsteps, and then that word reappears again, and the only other time it appears is in verse 22 of chapter 3, which shows us the final footstep. Um, of following Jesus Christ so we follow him through suffering but we also follow him into paradise and into heaven as well which I think is pretty cool so what are some practical ways in which we can uh, fix our eyes on Jesus so we've, we've chatted about them already but just to recap it's about getting into God's word we can't fix our eyes on Jesus if we don't know who he is and the way that we know who he is is how he's revealed himself in scripture the writers of the New Testament poured out their hearts, their lives, and what they had seen into paper, probably not realizing that they would even still be here 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later. And here we are reading them in our language that we can understand. And so why don't we use that to our advantage to get to know Jesus? So we pick up our Bibles, we read through the Gospels, and we understand what Jesus did with his life. Then we read through the rest of the New Testament, explaining what that actually means for us and how we are to live in response to what Christ has done for us. 
if you're reading the Old Testament, you can ask the question of this going, how is this pointing to Jesus Christ's first or second coming? We get to know Jesus. One of the ways that we also uh, experience Christ and get to know him and fix our eyes on him is through prayer. I'm not a great sit down extended period of time praying kind of a guy. Um, not because I don't want to, but because I get distracted very easily. But the times that I have laid aside um, distractions, uh, phones, TV, all those kind of things, and spent some quiet time alone with God, just praying with Him, is that I often start with, uh, now, I was going to say I start with my problems. I start with glorifying and honoring God because I know that's the right thing to do. Um, not often because it's what I want to do, but I think that it's the right thing to start with is to thank God, to honor and glorify him in a small way. I then often move to, Hey, these are all the problems in my life. Can you help me out with them? And what I find myself doing is I spend a, you know, a bit of time going, Hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. I'm working through this. And so the more time I spend in prayer, the more time my life gets put into perspective of the grander scheme of what's going on in this world. The final way that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus is understanding where he is now and what is coming in the future. Now, I'm not saying that we should be um, spending all of our time trying to figure out when Christ is coming back or doing anything like that. But it's understanding that the main story of Revelation is that he is coming back to wipe away every tear. That there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more mourning uh, for all those former things that have passed away. For behold, the new things have come. That God will dwell with his people on this earth. And so when we're sitting and there's garbage going around, there's rubbish thoughts in our minds, um, we're suffering and life is hard, we can't seem to get our sin under control, we remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is king and he sits on the throne. And there will come a day where he comes back and... He finally does away with evil in this world. This kind of brings our uh, sort of short opening series to a bit of a close on Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. As we continue to move forward, I'm really excited about what uh, topics and themes that we'll be discussing. If there's anything in particular that you would love me to to talk about or to um, share with you, please reach out through any of the social media, either Facebook or Instagram, Chasing the Sun Podcast, um, or you can reach out on our email, uh, chasingsunpodcast at gmail.com. But yeah, I just want to encourage you guys to fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's go chasing the sun together, eh?